All right, if you got your Bibles this morning, that's great. If you don't, I have it on the screen for you. But it's always good to see it in your Bible. There's something about having your own Bible and finding out what God's saying to you in your own Bible. Anybody still have a paper Bible that they carry around? Man, that's what I'm talking about. Mine's made out of buffalo hide, so mine smells really good. So if anybody ever wants a whiff, you can take a whiff, but no touchy. It it's really, really smells good. But before we get into this, I want to just read you again this word that Kenneth E. Hagin had, and I'm, I'm going to keep reading it because it's good that we hear what God is saying and what he said 41 years ago. So everything that we're seeing is not new to God. Everything that's going on in the world is not new to him, not scary to him. He prophesied it. He said it actually, well, 2,000 years ago. You can read that in 2 Timothy. But just in more of a modern time, he actually said this 41 years ago. And I want to read it to you because I want us to grasp the, the power that's in these words. Listen to this. He says, the end of the age is coming upon this generation. And he says, the powers of darkness, the forces of evil are rampant as never before, and they will be increased. Did you hear that? What's going to be increased? Evil. The powers of darkness will be increased in intensity and velocity. So, when we start to see that happen, are we going to be, oh my goodness, what's going on? No, he already said it. Right? So don't, don't be caught off guard. He's already spoken it. It's going to increase more and more. He says, and many, even many Christians will see and look upon these things and say, oh, there is no use. Throw up their hands in futility and say, well, I guess it's all over. We'll just have to hold on and pray for Jesus to come shortly because the devil is about to take over everything. That's not us. Other people may be saying that, but not this church. That's not what we're going to be. We're not hooking up with that. It says, but thus saith the Lord in this day. How many know this is this day? Today. I am searching the body of Christ to enlist soldiers. I'll raise up a new band. I'll raise up a new army who will know how to pray against the powers of darkness and the light will dispel the darkness and the truth will set men free and prayer will break the bands that bind men's minds and bodies and spirits. Woo! Now listen to this. He says, Yea, there are those who will learn to take their place hurriedly. It must be hurriedly. It must be. Quickly it must be that they learn, that they learn to enter in quickly to stand against the forces of darkness and evil that will try and come against the land, against the church, against the home, that would try and disrupt and destroy all that is good and all that God has endorsed. But the hand of the Lord is upon those who will listen and to the urge of God in the spirit to those who are attentive they will pray. The spirit of God will help you to pray. Do not try to do this on your own. Though there must be labor on your part, yet the same time rest in him. Let the spirit flow through you like a river, like a mighty wave. Let it flow through you. Give vent to those innermost groanings. Let them escape from your lips. Take the time to get alone and wait, sometimes not even saying anything. But on the inside of you, there is an agonizing. There is a, flo- a, f- sorry, there is a flowing out of your spirit by the Holy Spirit to the great spirit, the Father of spirits, and you will be sustained, you will be kept, and your family and your home will be sure and stand fast, and your children shall grow up strong and faithful in the Lord, and they shall have no fear. Amen. So again, we are not looking for answers in the natural. 
The political world will not fix this thing that's going on out here. The natural world cannot fix what's going on here. Guess who it's left up to decide to make the changes and to fix whatever can go on? It's the church. So don't look out here for things to get fixed out here. They don't know. It's broken. They don't know. Unless you have the Spirit of God working in you and through you, there's no answer. The answer is not found in anything natural. It's not found in your emotions. It's found only in Him. So this is what we got to do. We got to take our place, right? Now, I believe this. This is the Lord. I believe that this for Impact Life Church, the Lord can look here and enlist us to be that army that He's raising up to learn how to pray against the forces of darkness. We are those who are willing to be taught to take our place and work with King Jesus to accomplish what He wants to do on this earth. Is that us? Come on, y'all. Is that, is that you? That's, that's, I'm like, Lord, enlist me. Here I am. I want to be used. Use, use my life. Here it is. Right? I'm, I'm submitted myself to you. So now, to position ourselves to be enlisted, we need to take the time to see what God did in the resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ, and also the resurrection that he, we also now have because we're in him, and learn how to flow from the position he gave us. So what we're really doing is we're taking time to really go into this. I'm not going to go too fast on this because it's crucial. We really get it because this is not, I've heard this lots and lots and lots, but I'm really just diving into this more and more saying, Lord, open the eyes of my heart, Ephesians 1. I need to see this because clearly I'm not seeing something that I need to see. So can that be our prayer this morning? Right? Can we just take a moment just to say this to the Lord? We, we mean business with him. Father, we are so in love with you. And Lord, we ask you, hear this entire group of people. Father, we ask you, more than anything else, we are asking you, sir, to give unto us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the deep and intimate knowledge of you that the eyes of our heart would be flooded with light. We receive that. We ask you for it. Lord, as we go into this, Lord, we thank you for revealing your truth, your word to us in a greater dimension. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. I believe that. And thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit. Man, oh man. So now let's go over again. And if you're taking notes, I know we'll be sending these out weekly, but I want to really for us to look at this again. What is authority? What is it? And before I get into this, there is a phenomenal book that if you're, if you're looking for a good resource on this, it's called Authority of the Believer by John A. McMillan. John A. McMillan was a, he died in the 50s, I believe, and he was a missionary to China. Him and his wife, and they've seen profound things, miracles. I mean, really, some of the villages that they had gone to at that time, they, then, whenever they would come back. He's from Manitoba, actually. He's from Winnipeg. And when he would go out, uh, people would say, you know what, don't go to this village because they have run out missionaries left, right, and center. Anytime you go there, the, the demons are, they're crazy there. You cannot go and survive there. And so guess what he said? I'm going. I like that attitude. I like that thinking. This is what we do. No, you can't fix red. You can't, you can't change what's going on. Watch us. You don't know who we serve. Anyway, so he would go out there, and this is where the Lord taught him about this seat, this position of authority that is found in Ephesians chapter 1, 2, and 3. The Lord started teaching him on that in that place right there. And so he would walk into these places, and he said, that was the most demonic activity that I have ever seen. The demons would, you know, show themselves out in trees and they would do weirdest things, just even some of the nature because of the witch doctors and the crazy things that were going on in those villages. So again, the Lord had to teach him this seat. And from that position, he turned a whole village around because he took his place and authority that God gave him. 
So again, some of the things we look at, oh, look at the anointing on people. Man, they're so anointed, so anointed. Yeah, there is anointings on people, and you can grow in your anointing. Absolutely. But a lot of times what people call anointing, it's we just took our authority. So don't mix those two up because, again, you've been given the authority to tread on all the serpents and scorpions over everything that the devil could throw your way. So that's not just for a certain few. That's for the body of Christ. The moment you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that is the moment you've received authority. That's when it got given to you. Right? Now, what is authority? Authority now is the power or the right to give and to enforce orders. The way that this book, John A. McMillan, I like the way that he said it. It says, authority is delegated power. Can we say that together? Authority is delegated power. And I want to just read you this. I have this one quote from it. It says, the value of this authority depends upon the force behind the user. The believer who is fully conscious of divine power behind him and of his own authority can face the enemy without fear or hesitation. Because behind the authority possessed by the believer, there is a power infinitely greater than that which backs his enemies and which they are compelled to recognize. The devil knows authority. He knows it. (laughs) And you got it. So now let's look into this. Matthew, or sorry, Luke chapter 9. And again, I want to just show us here again. We went over these verses, but I want us just to look again. But we see Jesus, he delegated his authority to his disciples. And he did this. Was he before resurrection or after resurrection? He did this before while he was on this earth. He delegated his authority to his disciples. Right? So Luke chapter 9. So the devil thinks he's all that in a bag of chips. He's not. Hollywood dresses up the devil to be some monstrous, ripped, demon-looking thing that's red, pointy ears, long tail, just massive ripped arms. The Bible says in Isaiah that when all this is done, the nations will look at him and say, That? That's what disrupted the nation? That stupid thing? So Hollywood builds this thing up, and especially in October, they just seem to throw horror movies out there. He's not that powerful. (laughs) He's a loser. All right. Now look at this. Verse 1, it says, One day, I want you to just see this. Jesus called together his 12 disciples. Hey, come here, guys. Come here, come here. And what did he do? And gave, how did he give? I could have laid hands on them. He could have just used his words, gave them authority. He says, I give them the power and the authority to do what? To cast out all. Everybody say it with me. All demons and to heal all what? Disease. All. Okay, then verse 2. Then he sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Okay, so that's what they did. Now the question I want to ask is, who cast out the demons? Who healed all the sick? It was the disciples, right? And how did they do it? Through delegated power. Jesus gave the power. They flipped the switch. Okay? Just to put it kind of in simple terms. Jesus, here's the power, but who had to enforce it? Who had to flip the switch? So one of the things that we have to look into, rather, is the church doesn't need more power. Oh, God, just give us the power to do make the change in order to stop the devil from doing Whoa, 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 whoa. What do we got to do? Can we flip it together? Ready? Flip. That's your job. Enforce. 
Not, oh God, I need you to, God, can you come and fix this? Look what the devil's doing. God, I need you to do something about this devil. He's done everything he's going to do about the devil. He's done it all. So what now? You and I are now here to flip the switch, meaning to enforce what we've already received. Enforce the authority, the power that God already has over him, and now we enforce it on him. Right? So let that just be, that's, the way, that's our approach towards the enemy. It's not, oh, he's just trying to do things. No, no, no. I flipped the switch on you, punk. Done. Now, look at Luke chapter 10, verse 1. This is just the next chapter over. It says, The Lord now chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places he planned to visit. Verse 17, Luke chapter 10, verse 17. It says, When the 70 missionaries returned to Jesus, they were ecstatic with joy, telling the Lord, Lord, even the demons obeyed Who? Us. Who's talking? The disciples. Not Jesus. They weren't going, oh, Jesus, even the demons obeyed you. That was so cool. That was so awesome. No, they were ecstatic because the demons obeyed them. They listened to us. Wow. Okay. Then he says, when we commanded them, of course, in his name. Now, you know, I want to just take a quick moment. I had had an encounter once with a demon-possessed man. And I was, I think we, Jamie and I were just married. I think I was 21 and we were, I was youth pastoring at the time and I was studying in the connect lounge back there and it was, you know, 5 o'clock on a Friday evening and I was just taking some time back there and all of a sudden, you know, some guy that the door was left open, he kind of walked in, walked in the back and I just, oh, hey, like kind of shocked me a little bit and what's going on, man? And so we kind of chatted a little bit and all of a sudden his eyes went completely dark on me and he says, my Lord told me to come here and kill you. I went, oh, take a seat. So we actually sat down. <laughs> so we sat down and like, I, you know, being hospitable, offered him, can I get you a coffee? Can I get you something? Let's, let's talk before the, the process begins. How, how is this going to happen? And uh, so I remember just kind of sitting there and all of a sudden, like, so after he said that, like, it, he was in and out so many times. But anyways, this one part, we sat down a little bit and all of a sudden, like, I, I got him a cup of coffee. We're sitting down on one of those high tables and we just started chatting. And the next thing I know, again, looking in his eyes, all of a sudden it came back on him. He said, I'm here and I'm supposed to kill you. And right at that moment, he grabbed my throat and started choking. Now, Naturally speaking, first instinct of Joel housing is, I'm going to beat the snot out of this guy because I'm looking at my size to him. No problem, naturally speaking. I, I could take him. I, I could whoop him pretty good. But at the same time, I'm just recognizing on the inside, there was such a calmness and a peace in me. All that I can say is the peace of God that passes understanding. It makes no sense. But I was just standing there, and in just like as his hands pushing my throat, in the name of Jesus, you can't touch me. And he just broke down on his knees and started weeping and crying and just just screaming, right? Actually, I think we had our secretary at the time. She came running back in going, what is going on? I said, it's okay. Just a guy trying to kill me. We got it. We got it. (laughs) 
But anyways, and then so all of a sudden we were kind of walking. He was just kind of normal in his chatter again. And all of a sudden the same thing happened. This happened about two or three times. We got down by those back doors over there. And we used to open it kind of with a big two-by-four because those doors were like, we had these really big honking doors to keep them open. And there was a two-by-four that was sitting there. Anyways, he picked it up and he says, I'm here and I'm supposed to kill you. So he grabbed this two-by-four, tried swinging once, missed, had it again. And I just said, in the name of Jesus, I plead the blood of Jesus. And again, he just fell down to the ground started crying, and ran out the door. Hadn't seen him since. Now, is it because of how cool I am? And listen, I, I'm, this is 21. I was learning all these things. I was excited. I actually was studying about the name of Jesus and the authority that's in that name. It's, it's cool. But I mean, for myself, I'm just relaying some of those things. I was thinking about this again, going, man, that, that guy, that demon, just wept the moment, I would say, in the name of Jesus, and he'd be done. Nothing left. That's the power that you and I have. Now look at this. Let's continue on verse 18. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus replied, While you were ministering, right, talking to the disciples, I watched Satan topple until he fell suddenly from heaven like lightning to the ground. <laughs> That's a good place to laugh at him. For a very prideful being, this hurts his feelings a lot. Okay? You know where cancel culture comes from? It comes from him. He is the most offended, prideful insecure being that's on the face of this planet super nervous about anything can't keep control of his own kingdom so how does he do it he does it by fear intimidation you don't serve me i'm gonna that's how he operates talk about insecure he needs freedom session (laughs) times a billion he needs to do it over and over and over and over and over he's got some serious stuff going on serious baggage what does he need he need to get well yeah, he flunked it. He, he flunked it. He don't know how to pass that. He's done. Now, verse 19, it says, Now you understand that I have imparted to you, and I really want us to see this, I have imparted to you all my authority to trample over his kingdom. Come on, trample over what? His kingdom. He says, You will trample upon every demon before you and overcome every power Satan possesses. (laughs) Come on, y'all. What what has he got on us? Nothing. Unless we give it to him. He's got no access. He's got nothing on us. There's no trickery. There's nothing in his arsenal that he can pull out and say, Oh, I'm going to get you this time. Over every power that he possesses, I have authority over. So we have to have that mindset. And then he says, absolutely nothing. Can you say that with me? Absolutely nothing will be able to harm you as you walk in this authority. Now, what's he talking about? It's in that seat. Don't leave that seat. Don't leave that position of victory. Don't leave that position of authority. Because when you do, that's his object is to pull you from that place to start operating and fighting a natural or a mindful or some kind of in your senses battle. He will whoop you every single time. But if you keep him in this arena of victory, of what the word says, of what Jesus has done, you will defeat him every single time. So we have to stay in position. Then Jesus says, however... He disciples, remember, they were chest bumping each other, high-fiving and going, man, demon obeyed you, he obeyed you. He, Woo, that's what I'm talking about. Jesus said, don't, the source of your joy isn't merely that these spirits submit to your authority. He says, but that your names are written in the journals of heaven and that you belong to God's kingdom. This is the true source of your authority. What's the true source of my authority? My name is written in the Lamb's book of life. That's my authority. That's your authority, right? Now, 
Jesus has now delegated his power to us, his church, now, correct? Matthew chapter 28, just go there real quick. Just before Jesus left, when he rose from the dead, he said this in verse 18, Jesus came and told his disciples, he says, I have been given all, say with me, all authority. So what does it mean? What does the devil have? None. We have got to get this. He's got nothing unless we give it to him. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on this earth. Now, that doesn't mean Jesus is in charge of this earth, because look at all the chaos. That's not my God. That's not Jesus. So what did he do in verse 19? He says, now, therefore, you go and make disciples of all nations. So where's the responsibility? Where did the, where did the authority transfer take place? Is right here, Matthew chapter um, 28, verse 18 and 19. I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, now you go and you make disciples, teaching them everything that I've taught you. Now it's on, it's on us. Jesus gave us all of it. So if I have all of it, what does the devil have? Nothing. Unless I give it to him. Right? I'm yielding to either the Lord or I'm yielding to the enemy. Who am I allowing access into my life? Okay, now... This is wonderful, and I have to just put this caution here. As I was praying, the Lord just kind of arrested me on this. But there, this is a key, and I would really appreciate this. You write this thing down or put it somewhere in your box that you can think on it, meditate on it, because the, this authority that Jesus gave us only works as I am submitted to Him and His ways. You cannot be a rogue Christian, meaning you just take this authority and do whatever you want with it, not operating in his ways of living, not operating according to his word and just doing and saying whatever I want to say, it does not work that way. Jesus said this. I mean, it would be a good way to kind of put on your lenses when you read the Bible. Read it this way with John 5, 19, I believe in mine, that Jesus said, I can only do what I hear or what I see my father do and I can only say what I hear my father say. Jesus himself could not just do whatever he wanted to do. That's why you see him constantly going out, time alone in prayer. What was he doing? He was getting instructions, downloaded instructions for what the day is going to look like. He did that constantly. So he had to hear from heaven, okay, Father, that's what you want to do, and he just did it. So it's the same way if the Son of God, Jesus, operated that way, we have to operate that same way, right? So now this is a key for us to understanding this authority and how it works, is that it only works to the degree that I am submitted to him, and to his ways. And let me give you some insight on this. Because a question that, again, I want to ask us is, if Jesus is supreme in his position and his power, why are we not seeing more demonstration of it? If, he's, if he conquered hell, death, and the grave, why are we not seeing that demonstration more and more? Here's the answer. Because the head is completely dependent upon the body for carrying out his plan. The head cannot just do whatever he wants to do. He is completely dependent upon you and I to cooperating with him to enforce and to bring a kingdom into this earth. All right, now let's move on in this. All the members of the body must be, very popular word in our culture today, submitted. I don't want to be submitted. All right, don't walk in authority. That's totally up to you. But the more that I'm submitted, meaning to come under, the more I'm submitted to him, 
the more authority that he can entrust and say, yeah, I want you to say this now. Yeah. Remember, I, I remember uh, we had a gentleman that came here, and he was telling me about um, Amy McPherson. Is that, is that Amy McPherson? Anyways, the, there was a gentleman that was sitting in this front row, and he was mad that, why is God using this woman? Why is, why is the Lord doing amazing things through her? She's got nothing. She's, she's nobody special. This is a preacher sitting on the front row of one of her meetings. And all of a sudden, a guy sat beside this, this preacher in the front row, and um, all of a sudden, the Lord says, hey, I want you to tell him and something about the way he was living, or he would die in the next three to four months. And the guy sitting there said, Lord, I, I can't do that. I don't know the man. I'm not going to do that and say that. What if, what if I'm wrong? And all of a sudden, kind of just left it. Well, Amy McPherson started preaching and ministering under the anointing. All of a sudden, she stopped in her message, turned to that gentleman that was sitting next to this preacher and said, hey, if you don't stop the way that you're living, you're going to be dead in the next three to four months. And the Lord spoke up to this minister and said, that's why I use her. Why? Submitted to the lordship and the authority of Jesus. We all want to see those amazing supernatural things take place. But how submitted are you not only to him, but to his ways? God has ways of doing things. There's a lifestyle heaven operates by. It's by the culture of love. If I step out of that, it doesn't work. Oh, I hate what they're doing. Yeah, but stay in love because if I want the gifts to flow, love is the, is the, is the vessel, the way that it's going to operate through. I can't operate on some rogue Christianity and just start confessing and saying, how come I'm not seeing it happen? You're out of place. You're out of position. You're trying to be a rogue Christian, and here you are just saying good christian stuff, but no power connected. That's John 15 to a T. He said, if you abide in me, my words abide in you. Ask what you will, and it will be done. So there's a uniting and abiding that is so crucial for us to stay vitally connected to the vine. Cool? Now, let's look at this. Again, all the members of his body must be submitted. The Lord Jesus, head over all things to the church, which is his body, is hindered in his mighty plans because the body has failed to appreciate the deep meaning of his exaltation and to respond to the impulses which he is constantly setting. So now, God gave us his word, and his spirit to fulfill what his plans are. Now, I really want us to see this because the word of God, why do we have this beautiful word? The word of God is here, is the divine truth by which we frame ministry, right? This word that you have on your lap or that you're seeing on the screen, this beautiful Bible is more than just, oh, the the promises of God. And it's all wonderful, it's good, but it actually is here to frame the way we do life we even do church. Now, don't just think church, church like this. It's how I conduct my life. It frames it. The word of God frames it. Now, what else does it do? Romans chapter 12, verse 2 talks about that this word now is also here to change the way that we think. When you get, well, what our message to the world is, you must be born again. Notice the grace, the kindness of Jesus on the cross. That's our message to the world. You've got to get born again. The message to the church now is you have to change the way you think. Just because you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you still got a lot of wrong thinking in your head that lines up with the world's ways or culture or wherever you're from, whatever your background is. When you come into a new kingdom, you have to brainwash yourself so that your thinking lines up with this. Because again, my authority works to the degree that I think like him. As long as the body is thinking separate from the head, it will never align and work together. So the word of God is more than just, oh, I got to read a verse here or there. It's for me to transform the way I think about everything in life. Now, 
When meditated on and understood, Jesus now has access to move through his body. Right? Can we see that? Why? Because a body, finally, the head's thinking like this, and the body's thinking like this. It's not going to work. It's got a kink in its neck. So what happens when I start meditating on and thinking like Jesus? What happened? Oh, it's like a good chiropractor. <laughs> the head's fine. The head's perfect. There's nothing wrong with the head. It's the spine that just, okay. Oh, that's, I see it. I get it. Now the head goes, dun, 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 dun. I can move through now. Okay, now let's look at this. Now the Holy Spirit comes. Again, the word and the spirit. This is what this church is. It's a word church, yes, but it's also a spirit church. Because you can't have one without the other. If you're all word, you become legalistic. If you become all spiritual, you're all spirit, you're weird. <laughs> Balance. Anybody meet a weird Christian? Oh, yeah. There's some weirdos out there. There's no basis of truth. There's no foundation of the word. Have you met people that are real legalistic? There's no room for the Spirit of God to move in their life. You need them both. So you have the word to align us, to get our thinking on place. Then the Spirit of God comes to bring us into unity because look at us. We come from all different backgrounds. We have our own wills. <laughs> People have opinions on everything, it seems like. But this is what the wonderful work of the Holy Spirit does. He comes in and he unifies the body to come together in submission now to the head. All together. That's why you can have cultures, you can have backgrounds from all different races and tribes, the Bible tells us. And that's how we can all be submitted is because now the word has now changed the way we think. And the spirit of God has now empowered us to be one mind, one heart, going this direction. That's how the church started in Acts. And it says great grace was upon them all. And they were of one heart, one mind, one thought. And everything that they had, nobody thought it was their own. So what they do? They laid all the money, everything out before the apostles' feet, and they distributed as they felt led by the Spirit of God. Yeah. How do you get there? We're going back there. Yep. <laughs> it's the same church. Yeah. What's happening? Again, we read that last week in Ephesians chapter 1, that the Lord, at the right time, He's bringing all things under the authority of Christ. Yeah. We're getting there. So the more submitted we are to Him, the better it is for your own life. Because people leave at the drop of a hat. I'm offended. I'm out. Did the head say you can leave? Well, no. Get your butt back there then. Well, you don't know what they said about me. It doesn't matter. The head said stay. Or the head said go. Go. Don't stay. We got people staying when they should be going. We got people going when they should be staying. What did the head say? The head said stay. I stay. It's not easy. It's not fun. So what? The head calls the shots. Okay. <laughs> Moving along then. This is not done through inward impulses alone. Now, the biggest problem the church faces is not necessarily the devil. The biggest challenge that we face is, is an unrenewed mind yeah. or not thinking like Jesus. Yeah. So 1 Corinthians chapter 2, let me just, I don't have this on the screen. You can write it down. Verse 14, it says, but people who aren't spiritual, oh, I do. Thank you. Can't, listen. They can't receive these truths. Talking about what God has given them, if you read it in context. They can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. Why? Because it sounds foolish to them. They can't understand it, for only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. So again, we've talked about this, is that there's a lot of Christians, even, are just humanists. 
oh, this is just, a, oh, this, it's a natural problem. A lot of the things that we see that are problem, there's a spiritual issue behind it. Yeah. Not all the time, right? Not all the time, but some of the time that that is there. So just to constantly leave the spirit world out of it and the demonic forces out of it would be stupid on your and my part, right? Okay, now, here's the reality. Go to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, and Colossians 3, 16. I know you got 10 fingers, so you can find those places. But I want you to see this. The Bible tells us, the Spirit of God says, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with what? Come on, be filled. What does that mean? Fill her up. Fill me up with what? The Holy Spirit. Now look at Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. Let the word of Christ, where? Dwell in you richly. Well, which one is it? It's both. <laughs> you need both. Again, let's look at this. Because, again, Ephesians, we see the importance of being filled with the Spirit. In Colossians, we see, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Now, why are these two things here? Well, they point out some things. The word of Christ is the setting forth of His will that is understood by the renewed mind. But the renewed mind, even though it understands the word, lacks the power to perform it. Right? Okay? So what happens? The fullness of the Spirit, or getting filled with the Spirit, where the incoming of the Spirit of God comes on you, rests in you, comes over top of you, He empowers you for carrying out what you just heard. Right? You've heard that before? Right? The Word of God comes, it straightens you out, but it gives you the right thinking. Well, how am I supposed to do it? The Spirit of God gives you the grace or the ability to carry out what's being done. Now, let's look at this. We have to pay attention to this part because unless the Word richly dwells inside of us for the instruction of our mind, the Spirit of God, although He's living in us, He has nothing to work with. Should I say that one more time? Okay, even though now we are... Unless we have the Word of God dwelling in us richly, the Spirit of God, although He is in you, He has nothing to work with. What does He work with? The Holy Spirit works with the Word. That's why we have a lot of people just praying, God, whatever be your will. Oh, God, if you could just do this. God, if you could just do that. You're ignorant of what's actually taking place. He's already done all that. Well, how come I'm not seeing it? It's because you, well, that's your problem. You don't see it. For one, is because the, your mind has not been renewed to the Word so the Spirit of God, although He's in you, all the power of the Godhead is in you. He's got nothing to work with. Now, look at this part. The impulses of the head cannot be transmitted. Right? The head, talking about Jesus, cannot transmit um, or translate by Him into appropriate action through the body. Instead, we have immature motions of a child. And so what's the result? The head is hindered because the body has not grown up into the stature of a perfect man. So what happens in divine patience, the head waits. Wake up, church. <laughs> That's the answer, is what? I have to wake up to what the head wants to do. I have to wake up that the head actually is doing something. So we build more, more in tune with the progressive conservatives, what they're doing, what the liberals are doing, what the NDP are doing, what the, you know, what the government, we're more in touch with what they're doing. And meanwhile, the church is just, well, I wonder what God's going to do. Get in touch with him. Start letting his word change the way you think. And you start going, oh, I see it. 
I see it, I see it, I see it. And now I can start to, rather than just hope for and looking for change out here, they're mad out there. They're mad. Mad. M-A-D-D-D-D-D-D. Mad. So what now? We have to go back to what we're called to do, which is to be with him. This is huge for us. Are we all okay? Now, let's move on to this next part, the location of not all authority. So what is authority? Authority is delegated power. Where is the location of this authority? Look at this in Mark chapter 16. I want you just to see where Jesus went right after he ascended. (laughs) Where did he go? Now, look at this. Verse 19, it says, When the Lord Jesus has finished talking with them, talking about his disciples, he was taken up. Say with me, taken up. Woo! He was taken up into heaven, and he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. Well, that's great. He's sitting down. What's he doing? Look at verse 20. And the disciples went everywhere, right, and preached. And the Lord worked, the head worked through the body, confirming what they said. This gets exciting. And then you go into the book of Acts and the whole Acts is just explosion. Why? Because the body was in line with the head. The head said this, I do this. Head says that, done. You got it. You got it, head. We're totally working with him. And what happened? Many miraculous signs followed those words. Woo! Now, look at this. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 1. Again, just to confirm where Jesus is. It says, here is the main point. The Hebrew writer tells us, we have a high priest who sat down in the place of honor beside the throne of the majestic God in heaven. This position right here, this is the location of all power, of all authority, is at the right hand of the Father. That's the place. That's the position. Jesus is sitting there, but let me ask you this. Did Jesus come? Why did he come to this earth? Was he trying to himself get delivered from the devil? Was he trying to show how much better he was than the devil? No, he had all of that. He was already all that. Jesus was glorious. He was in his glory. He had all power. He was operating in all authority. He had it all there. Why did he come to this earth? To give it back to you. That's why he came. He didn't do it for him. He didn't defeat the devil for himself. He already had him. He's untouchable there. Could not be touched. Could not be messed with. Jesus, why did you come? I came to give you the same position. He identified with me in my sin, in my guilt, in my condemnation, in my death that I was in. That's what 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21 tells us, right? Him who knew no sin was made to be sin for us, that we who knew no righteousness would be made the very righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Everything Jesus has, I have. This is what this whole part of being born again is. When you accepted Jesus, for God so loved the world, I became a brand new creation. The old passed away. Behold, the Bible says, the fresh and the new has come. What's taking place? God has to reintroduce yourself to you. Because you have no idea what he just did in you. What did he do? And we're going to find it right here. Again, look at this, Ephesians 2, 1 through 6. Let's read this together again. I know you probably know these verses, but let's see this and read this. He did it for you. He says, and once you, you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. 
I can go back a little bit, guys. That was really good. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else but God. So rich is he in mercy. And he loved us, verse 4, he loved us so much, verse 5, that even when we were dead in our sins, he gave us life he, when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by grace that we're saved, right? It's only by grace, by grace through faith. Verse 6, then what did he do? He raised, come on, say it together. He raised, who's us? That's me, that's me. He raised us together. With who? From the dead, sorry, along with Christ, and he seated us, me, you, together, united with him in Christ Jesus. Where are you seated? With him in that exact same spot. Why did God do everything? Why he did? is to get you back in this position so that the head and the body can flow together again. This is all what God had in mind from the beginning of time. This is what the whole Genesis mandate was when God told Adam and Eve, be blessed, fill the earth, subdue it, and just let it rip. Let the kingdom of God have full access through this kingdom through you. That was the Genesis mandate. We know what happened. They fell, but Jesus got it back. And so now what is he telling us? Go take the good news. The good news of what? That Jesus is alive. That the old, that old kingdom is destroyed along with its administration. Every demon has been defeated. A new king is in town and he came with a brand new administration. He came with a brand new way of thinking. A brand new way of operating. And you and I are to enforce what he is already doing in this earth. Woo! That's what we're doing. That's our call. And this is what we're talking about. Like when we go back to Brother Hagin's word, he says there are some believers out there who will just say, throw up their hands and say, well, I guess this, we'll just have to hold on and pray till Jesus comes back because the devil's about to take this over. Don't let him give you that thought. You're way more powerful than that punk. He's got nothing on you. The Bible says you've been seated with him. Now notice these words. Far above, oh, the head? No, far above the body. So that means the head far above. We, know, we have no problem with that. What about the neck, the shoulders, the stomach, the back, the abs, the hips, the knees, the legs, the toes, the, the heels? Is that far above? Far above. Underneath the baby pinky toe. Lord, if that's my spot as the pinky toe, guess what? I am seated far above any thought, any principality and power or anything that the enemy could ever do. Not just uh, you're just scraping by. You're just, here's the enemy. There's your toe. It's just rubbing the surface. Just rubbing the surface. Don't screw up. Don't want to nick your toe on the devil. That'll really hurt. He says, far above. Not even, you can't even put a measurement on it. It's that far above. That's what he gave you. <laughs> Our response is, we're going to do that next week, is learning how to actually now take that seat. Our response, thank you. Now, oh, seated with him means, in the heavenly means this, that I'm a sharer of his authority. Seated with him in the heavenly means is that I sit with him and share his throne. I share his throne. What does it mean? When I share a throne, it means that I partake of the authority that it represents. My days of being confused, my days of being the devil coming after me are over. It's done. 
Seated with him in heavenly means that I am to exercise to the extent of my spiritual comprehension the authority over the powers of the air and over the conditions which those powers have brought about on earth and are still creating through their ceaseless manipulations of the minds and circumstances of, of mankind. My next point is this, is that the kingdom of this world are under the control and the leadership of satanic principalities. Jesus called this, and he actually called the devil four times in John, I believe. He called him the prince of the air. So now let's look into this next little section here. Satan is a rebel. He's a thief. He's a rebel against the Most High. And Satan right now is in judgment for dispossession. Meaning all the lands and everything that this earth has, the, the people, the territories, the land, all of it belongs to God, but he stole it. Right? Remember, Adam and Eve gave him that access. Correct? So from, that, from that, the moment that Adam and Eve opened the door for him, he now became the little g, God of this world. Now, he is still at large, and, he ha and as the masses of mankind are also rebels to God, he maintains over them, a unquestioned, because again, an unsuspected rule, their eyes being blinded by his dominance. They have no idea. They call it progressive thinking, but it's, I'll tell you this, it is devil-inspired. <laughs> Say what you want. There's only two genders. Male, female. Two. Now, how do we know that? Well, how can you say this so boldly? Because the word of God renewed my thinking. To say there's two. And God made them. Male and female. But what the devil tries to do. And you can see everything that's going out there is an identity attack. It's, that's what it is. It's completely after identity. All the movements we've seen. all the well, Even this COVID stuff that you're seeing. With vaxxed, unvaxxed. It's all the enemy's trying to divide. Because there's an identity issue attached with it. You one of them? I don't know. Are you? Oh, I don't know. Who cares? What matters <laughs> is, my identity is, I'm complete in him. So let me encourage you, don't go out looking for yourself because you'll be very disappointed. I just need to, you know, go to the Yukon for three months to find myself. After those three months, you'll come back extremely disappointed. Because in and of ourselves, we are nothing. We have nothing. That's why we have a Savior. His name is Jesus. And the Bible says in Colossians 2 verse 10 that in him I've been made complete. Woo! <laughs> Yay! I'm complete. Come on, say that with me. I'm complete. Nothing missing. Nothing broken. You've been given authority. You've been given the power, the access to Almighty God. You have it all. Well, I'm not seeing it. Discover it. Get your mind renewed. Because this changes it. God, can you do God? God, 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 do something. Do something. No, no, no. You're here to flick the switch. Okay, now, let's look at this. There is coming a time, even though Satan is, again, those small g of this world, God of this world, there is coming a time when the Lord will take care of the evil rulers once and for all. Yes! Okay, now, let's look at this. I want to show you this. Isaiah chapter 24, because, again, I don't want to just give us a hype. We have to see it in the Word. Is there scripture for this? Is, did God say something about this? You bet he did. Ah. Oh. I love our God. Isn't he wonderful? How great is our God? And all the glory goes where? To him. It's him. He did all of this with no effort or no work on our part. Oh, man. Isaiah chapter 24, verse 21. It says, so it will happen 
in that day that the Lord will visit and punish the host of heaven on high and the kings of the earth on the earth. Now, the host of heavens on high is carefully divided and explained in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12. Okay? The host on high. Because really the host on high, if you look at it in the Hebrew word, it literally just means the fallen angels. Okay? So again, I want to just remind us, Ephesians 6, 12, in the New King James Bible says, We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities. Now I want you to notice, because Satan is not a creator. He's not creative. What does he try to do? He tries to copy what he sees. So that's, that's what he does. So again, he saw how God's kingdom was set up. I believe he was Jesus' personal angel. Right? You had Gabriel, Michael, and Lucifer, the only angels that are named. It was the Lord's angel. So he got glimpses into heaven and got to see how God established his kingdom, how God made his throne. So what did he do? He set it up, tried to do the exact same way. So against now what we have, we got principalities and powers. That's a class of fallen angel. Now let me explain that to you because I'll pull it up in the, in the Hebrew but these principalities and powers, they are actually, the, the Hebrew brings out, they are mighty princes whose principalities include large areas of the earth and authority over nations. Okay? The word powers, they are a bit of an inferior, an inferior being, but they are in position and they are probably ministers associated in governments. So you have principalities and powers. Where do they rule? They're not just sitting in the cabinet meetings. They're not just sitting in Parliament Hill. They operate from this, the realm, the second heaven. They operate, they occupy those seats. Okay, so that's principalities and powers. The second, he says, the rulers of darkness of this age. Their title suggests a ministry of deception that keeps people in darkness in their minds and basically, especially leaders. That's what they do. Is that's, that's the rulers of darkness. So Kenny is not your problem. Yeah. Trudeau is not your problem. Whatever your political views are, Trump is not your problem. Yeah. Biden, none of these guys are your problem. Go back to verse 6, please, or chapter 6, verse 12. They're not the issue. What's the problem? Is you have these principalities, powers, but then you have these ru world rulers of darkness that are in this age. And they've been doing this for 6,000 years. Yeah. The moment that Adam and Eve gave up their place, oh, yes, they thought, I'm going to get this earth. Because Satan knows he can't touch God, so he goes after what God loves most, people. Okay? And now you have the lowest class of devils, which would be the hosts of wickedness in the heavenlies. Now, these are innumerable amount of demons in close connection with mankind, resulting in gross sins and deception, Stirring up of the animal passions and the rousing of sensual desires. That's why it's perverted. It's perverse. Sex trafficking. Perverted darkness. That's what it is. So that's what you're dealing with. I don't fight flesh and blood. You and I, our battle is not with these people. It's with the spirit that is using these people to do the wickedness. <clears throat> Take care of the evil spirit. Take care of the root, you can fix the problem. That's where our fight is. Now, the seats of these rebellious spiritual leaders are also in the heavenlies. From there, they have dominated the human race since the fall, and there they will remain until the divine purpose of the ages comes. One day, all of this stuff is going to be a footstool for God. <laughs> all right, two more verses, then I'm done, okay? I'll, I'm, I'm finishing up here. 
Isaiah chapter 26, look here for a moment, verse 20 through 21. This also gives you reference towards the rapture of the church. Because it says here, it says, uh, verse 20, guys, if you follow with me, Isaiah 26, verse 20, it says, Come, my people, enter your chambers and shut your doors behind you. Hide hide yourselves for a little while until the Lord's wrath is passed. That is in reference to the rapture. You will not see the wrath of God. That's all him. Thank you, Jesus. See, not only were you saved to God, you were saved from him. Because there is a day coming when God's going to be spanking a whole lot of things. And I'm so thankful that he put it on Jesus for my sake, for your sake. We will never have to see that day. But then he goes on in verse 21. He says, now look at this. So my children, come away. Hide yourselves. Shut the door. Come have the marriage feast in heaven with me. Now look at this. For behold, the Lord is coming out of his place, heaven, to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. The earth also will disclose the blood shed upon her and will no longer cover her slain and conceal her guilt. Look at the very next verse. Verse 1 of chapter 27, it says, In that day, the Lord will deliver Israel from her enemies and also from the rebel powers of evil and darkness. His sharp and unrelenting great and strong sword will visit and punish Leviathan, the swiftly fleeing Serpent. Now, who is that? That right there is the Antichrist. The next one that you see here. Even Leviathan, that twisted serpent, which is the false prophet. Then he finishes it off by saying, and he will kill the dragon who lives in the sea, which is Satan. Basically, God's done. Out. Now, why does he do all that? So what happens when God takes care of all that business? Now what we have is we have all of these seats that were supposed to be ours to begin with. They're vacant. What do we, look, at, look at all these thousands upon millions upon maybe billions of seats that are there. Now they're vacant. Who fills them? Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10. I'm closing with this verse. God's purpose in all of this was that to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. What's God's going to do with all these seats? The ones that are in the principalities and powers? You. How we live and govern down here, use what God has given us to enforce the victory Listen, this seed, when we take our place, it's practice for what's yet to come. So when we take this position, take this seed, what's taking place is we're practicing for what's coming up next. You and I are going to be in charge of potentially hundreds, thousands, millions of other people that are yet to be coming out of this time. I remember hearing this prophecy. I think my mom always talked to me about this, but remember there was one, a word that they gave. I don't know if it was Billy Brim or something, but they said that when heaven would come when it was the rapture of the church and as we moved on into dispensations, people would walk by and they would look at the church and go, oh, one of the chosen ones. You're one of, the, you're one of those. Because what does it say? Ephesians 2.7 talks about why did God put us and seated him with heavenly places? So that in the ages to come, he could put us on display of his rich kindness that he has done through Christ Jesus. 
God wants to show off on you. For when? Just while we're on this earth? No. For the ages and dispensations that are yet to come. Don't just think, okay, 2021, going into 2022, you know, 2030. That is thinking like this. It's, you guys, we're thinking, some people even have retirement on their brain. That's still thinking like this. Oh, I got a 10-year plan. Rock on. It's still like this. You and I have to have a bigger thought in plan, a bigger thought in place, I should say. And what is that? I'm going to be spending eternity with him. And how do I want to spend that eternity? I want to make sure that I am submitted to the head so that the head can do what he wants to do on this earth so that he can entrust me with more in the ages that are yet to come. Imagine going to a team meeting and all of a sudden Jesus at the head of the table and say, hey, what do you guys think about this plan? What should we do over there? (gasps) Really? Yeah, let's talk about it. Are you kidding me? What a team meeting that would be. So I'm not saying ignore what's going on out there. I'm saying we have to elevate our eyes to fix our eyes on him. Jesus, what are you doing? What do you have me to do? What's my lane? And I will fulfill it. And I'm going to stay in this position of submitted to him because that's the only way that this authority that the world is desperate for but has no idea, they're desperate for the manifestation. Romans chapter 8. What is this whole world looking for? Is looking for the manifestations of the sons and daughters of the Most High God. That's what it's looking for. Not another, you know, political leader. Thank God for the ones that are standing for the truth. That's great. But more importantly is the manifestation of the sons of God who know their place, who know their authority, will stand up and declare, prophesy, speak out for God, and the result, God moves on that behalf. Because the end of the result of all that is, and whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's what we're after. That's what I'm after. That's what this church is after, is what? Those that call on the Lord shall be saved. Not to just save people from a vax or a mask. That's so small. So stupid. So small. So what do we do? No Jesus. Come on, Jesus. 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 This is what the world needs. It's him. And here am I to manifest what he's done in my life, but also to manifest the authority he's deposited in me as his own son. Hoorah. Can we all stand up together? Maybe you want to give God a hoorah. Hoorah. <laughs> I'm a you, church, but I think the Lord's teaching us. I'm, I'm, I'm pumped about this. Lord, help us. Teach us. I'm looking back at that word and it says it must be hurriedly. It must be quickly. God, teach us about that position. And I think we'll talk about that next week. How do I take now my seat? How do I operate from that place? God, I want it. Can we just lift our hands to him again just this this morning for a moment? Jesus, we love you. We honor you. Thank you so much for what you've done for us. Oh, we are alive because of you. We are seated in heavenly places because of you. Jesus, 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 thank you. Thank you, God. Oh, Lord, we worship you and magnify you. Thank you, Lord. You know, I want to just take a quick moment. Is there anybody here that has never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If you don't know, if you were to say, man, if I were to drop dead right after this service today, and you're like, I don't know where I'd go. You need to know, and today is the day that you can know. Woo, the Bible says it's not a religion. Religion stinks. Religion blows. Jesus hated religion too. What we're into is a relationship, a personal relationship with Jesus. The man, he's amazing. He's wonderful. He'll change your life. (laughs) Is there anybody here that would like to do that this morning and never had? Would you just shoot up your hand real quick? Hey, come on, girl. That's what I'm talking about. 
Anybody else? Come on, we got one. I, I, I do this and then I see my shadow. Sorry, I'm just my shadow goes up there. Oh, we got another one over there. Another one over there. By the thousands. No. Is there anybody here that, that would like to do that? Thank you for being so brave. Is there anybody that would like to join my sister in being brave? We're all good? Okay, awesome. Right where you're at, you can just stay right where you are. Did you want to? This is my beautiful wife. She's going to tackle you. Just kidding. <clears throat> but what the Bible says, it's very easy. You just confess with your mouth. You believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. And the Bible says you're saved. You've now just repented. Repentant just simply means I'm just turning from my way of living. And God, I'm choosing to go your way. That right there is a game changer. That's all that it is. And it starts by just you're simply saying something from your heart that you believe. So I'm going to get everyone. Would you just raise your hands or just stretch your hands towards, what, I didn't get your name. Trinity. Trinity. Oh, Trinity. Oh, yeah. Trinity. Come on now. Come on, girl. That's what I'm talking about. So Trinity, would you just, just lift your hand? This is where all your help comes from. So Trinity, I'm going to ask you just to say this after me. Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sin and he rose again to seat me with him in heavenly places. I believe the blood of Jesus has cleansed me from all unrighteousness, from all wrong living, from all guilt, from all shame, from all condemnation. And starting today, October 31st, I live for God. He is my Lord. He is my King. He is my Savior. In Jesus' name. Come on, y'all, girl. That's what I'm talking about. Woo! Man, awesome. Man. And if you want to look up real quick, Trinity, God takes your picture and puts it in his wallet and just slide it on in there. That's the good news. And the good news is, what did you have to do to earn it? Nothing. It's a gift. It's a pure, beautiful gift. Woo, and I love just how simple that is. So whenever you go out, just know it's simple. Trinity, that took what, 30 seconds? You, you crying a little bit? Yeah, a little bit? Okay. 30 seconds to get some happy tears going on. Y'all, this is what we're called to do. This is who you are. You are empowered to march over all the forces of darkness. Amen? Amen. Amen.